Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and just thank you, Lord, uh, for today. We just are thankful. Uh, there's, there's just no other place uh, for us to be than, than just be thankful for all you've given us, uh, all the stuff that, that Jason said, Lord, that you truly do want the best for us, that you are guiding us. You've given us your Holy Spirit, like we're going to talk about today, to lead us and guide us and direct us through everything in life. And um, you have an easy yoke and a light burden, and we don't have to worry about anything, but we just get to trust you, um, give everything to you, and that you just move in amazing ways and take our lives that um, were once of, of little value because we were using them on the things of the world and things that didn't matter, and you're able to give us eternal value once we follow you. And so just thank you for that, Lord. Pray your Holy Spirit would just teach us all today, continue to teach me even as I'm, as I'm talking on uh, walking by the Spirit today, that we would learn how to grow deep uh, into into who you want us to be, Lord, that we would not just stay as, as as children, but really understand how to go deeper and deeper and understanding how good you are and let it really transform our lives through through the identity that you've given us. So we love you and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So are we can they see me on here? Are we good? Am I standing in the right area? Cool. Okay. Uh, so today we're going to talk about walking by the spirit. Raise your hand if you're like, I have a good understanding of what that is. Okay. Wow. I mean, I feel like there's got to be a few people. Yeah. I mean, okay. Do you know what it is at all? There we go. Maybe that's a better question. Okay. There we go. I mean, it's like, I don't want to be prideful, you know, it's like, but it's like, yeah. So these are what people know of it, whether you know it in depth. Um, it's, a, it's a big topic and this is not by no means going to be, you know, an exhaustive study of walking by the spirit. I can give you more resources that we can go deeper. Uh, but this is kind of one specific area that I felt like the Lord was telling me to focus on today about it. But where this came up in my Christian life personally is I remember, and I think I've said this before, but I remember uh, in my earlier years when I just had come to Christ reading about how the burden that, that I felt that actually when I followed Jesus, it was actually an easy yoke and a light burden. And what I felt when I was a young Christian was a heavy yoke and a heavy burden. And I remember reading those verses, and I believe it's Matthew 11, and I was just like, how my experience is extremely different from what it should be based on the scriptures. I think I've heard Tad say the same thing in, in his walk is like you read that that those scriptures and you're like, man, my, my life's a lot harder than that. I must be doing something wrong. And that's really when I started, I'm really passionate about Christian growth and how to grow as a Christian. Like that, honestly, I mean, I have a lot of passions, but in terms of the spiritual walk, that is my biggest passion is helping people take steps in growth and getting deeper with the Lord. Um, and that's when I really started stumbling upon this walk by the spirit reality, because it, it comes up in the scriptures in a lot of areas and really portrays it as walking by the spirit versus walking in the flesh. That's kind of the high level of, of walking by the spirit. So obviously walking by the flesh is bad, right? There's a lot of bad things. If you go in Galatians, it talks about like walking by the spirit, or all these negative things walking by, or sorry, walking by the flesh is all these negative things. Walking by the spirit is all these positive things. It's like, well, I want to do walking by the spirit. That sounds a lot better. And so, um, Really, how this works is once we come to Christ, and this is the pain that I was feeling. Once we come to Christ, you know, we come to Christ and we're like in Him and we're like, man, my life's going to be great now. It's going to be awesome. But we start reading the Bible and understanding what God calls us to. You start reading God's law, right? Like what He lays out. Hey, this is the right way to do this. This is the right way to do this. And easily for me, it started to become very overwhelming. Because I played, you know, high school sports, um, and it's all about, you know, how well can you do? How how much effort can you put into this? It's about getting in the weight room. You've got to go. You've got to wake up early. You've got to do it. You've got you, you, you. It's all about you and your performance. That's what sports is all about. That's what life's all about in a lot of ways, right? The business world. You got to show up. You got to do great. You got to have great ideas, etc. And I applied that same logic to my Christian life, right? Why not? I'm going to try really hard and do everything right and be perfect and do great and et cetera, excel at everything. But yet I found myself in this position. And this is where I think a lot of people raise your hand. If, 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 if you've ever found yourself in that position where you're like, I'm working really hard. Why am I not getting the benefits that it seems like it talks about? Yeah. So almost every single person has been in that spot. And I was in that same spot. 
And really, when we get in that spot, this is the sad thing. And you see this if you look at Barna and all the studies about Christianity in America. Um, it's a very small percentage of people who really believe the core, the core truths of Christianity these days. And I think this is one of the key reasons. People come to Christ, they get really excited, they start reading the Bible, and they get overwhelmed. And what inevitably happens is they're like, I can't do this. I can't figure it out. I can't get better. I'm still just as bad as I was. Maybe I'm worse than I was when I was not a Christian. And so it leads, number one, people get, they feel despair. And they're like, I, I, I'm trying so hard. I can't seem to, get, seem to get better. And so they just give up. And they're like, this Christianity thing might not be for me. It just must not be real. And that's one way. The other way, which we see too often, is people start being in denial. And they start saying like, well, I'm just going to kind of look past a lot of my sins. I'm going to kind of fake it. And you see a lot of pastors that way. Um, you know, all the stuff that goes on with pastors where they're just like, I'm just going to be a Pharisee, so I'm going to critique everybody else. But in my own life, I'm not going to apply all the stuff because I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to deny that this is reality in my life. And then there's a third option, which is walking by the Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And this is the path that leads to life. And what walking by the Spirit says is when Christ says, you know, or when, when Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's taking that, I'm denying myself and transferring that kind of focus and that identity into Christ. It's no longer living by your own strength, but by the strength of Christ. That's ultimately what he's talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about today, like I said. And so if you guys want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in a, a multiple areas, but Romans 8 is kind of the, uh, the base, I guess, that we're going to start on. This is where we get the structure behind this, this talk. And it says this, Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So what do we see here? First, and this is key. For some of you, you know, and this is for me too, this is a breath of fresh air. Because all through my high school years, I questioned my salvation every day. Because I kept in this cycle of I was still sinning. I felt like I wasn't making a progress. There must be something wrong with me. There's no way I'm saved. And so this security that we have is a real key to moving forward, is realizing that in the preeminent passage of my favorite book, or I love Ephesians too, but Romans and Ephesians, love them both. This is what it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what that does is that gives us a security as a foundation to work off of in our growth. That, okay, if we're in Christ, if we have come to Christ, we believe in the Son of God, you know, we've, we've, we've realized we're sinful, we need Jesus, He paid the price for our sins, then we have no more condemnation. It's paid for us. We're secure. Right? That's awesome, right? That's great news. That's great news. Because a lot of us feel like we're on God's D-team, but once you, once you get in, you're... No, no more condemnation. You're good. And then it shows the means, right? So it says that for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we're free from all that stuff. We don't have to be a part of it anymore. For what the law could not do, right? It, the Galatians talks about the law led us to Christ because the law showed us we can't do this. It's impossible to achieve perfection. We can't do all the stuff. There's no way. So it leads you to actually this reality. It's weak, right? It's weak as it was in the flesh. God did it. Sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin. So Jesus was the one in that, you know, week after Easter. So good timing. But um, Jesus paid that penalty. And then it gives us the goal who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So this must be a key. 
This must be a key is how do we walk by the spirit? And so let's continue in Romans 8. What does it say next? And this is really, this is, I I love this. And it gives us clarity in what, what is he talking about when he's talking about walking by the spirit? For those who are according to the flesh, right? What we don't want to be, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So how do we walk by the spirit? What does the scripture say? By setting our minds on the spirit. It's clear. How do we not walk by the Spirit? By setting our minds on the flesh. So, what we're going to go into to hopefully paint some of this distinction is we're going to go into a few patterns that we generally get into of walking by the flesh, and then we'll get into walking by the Spirit. And hopefully this will uh, give you a structure to uh, look at your life and assess kind of where you're at. So the the first way that we walk according to the flesh that I've done a hundred you know thousand times is a self focus, a self focus. Now, what does this mean? A self focus is this negative self centeredness in an effort to establish our identity through our performance, through what we do. It's me, 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 I, I, I. It's all about I'm good because what I do. God loves me because what I do. It's all about you. It's the self-focus verse really receiving that identity, that new identity that Christ has given us when we came into to his kingdom. That's at the highest level what the self-focus is. So there's a few kind of mindsets that I have once again have felt a ton in, in my earlier years and that I think you might feel as well. The first is those who walk according to kind of this self-focus, they feel alienated from God. Okay? And the reason why is because people who have a self-focus see themselves on a horizontal plane. So when they look at their life on a daily basis, all they see is I see myself, I see my circumstances, I see the people around me, They're just looking around them at all the stuff they see. That's all that's in their view. And so living that way, of course you feel alienated from God because you're not thinking about God. You're just thinking about what's this person doing to me? What's, you know, what's going, what's this terrible situation? Why do I, I don't like my job. I, this, 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 all these things in your life, but you're not connected with God. And so you feel alienated from them. It makes sense, right? The second thing we see if, if you're kind of struggling with the self-focus is an unclear sense of identity. What this person looks like is somebody who is trying, once again, I've said this multiple times, trying to get their identity from others. So they're constantly, they're, they're people-pleasing. They're going around trying to get affirmation from everybody around them, trying to affirm that you're good, you're right, you're, you're doing the right things. That can be a pastor. That can be a discipler. That can be, it does, it's not just people in your job. It's people in the church. You can be looking to everybody else around you to get acceptance and establishing that identity because you're unclear. You don't have a sense of identity because you're focused on yourself. How do I become better? How do I, 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 me, 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 me. And the third thing that that person can feel is guilty of sin. And it makes sense because we are guilty, right? We are guilty of sin. Everybody is. But when we set our minds on the flesh, we experience this deep shame in our lives because we see our sin for what it is and we see how it hurts other people. And we just keep thinking about how bad it is and how horrible we feel, et cetera. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but the more you think about that, the worse it gets. It doesn't get better. And maybe, you know, I think I've felt this at one point where it's like, man, if I just make myself really hate my sin really bad, you know, then maybe I'll stop doing it. And that never worked for me. Maybe it's worked for you, but it's never worked for me. 
It just gives me deeper into depression, deeper into sadness, etc. And then you start feeling disconnect from relationships. I mean, it just, that does a lot of nasty stuff, which you might've experienced. So the more we focus on what we don't have and how we can meet our own needs, the more intense that dissatisfaction becomes. On the other side of it, how you correct those mindsets or what it should look like in those situations is instead of being alienated from God, we are alive to God, right? So we don't only think of ourselves in this horizontal plane where we look around and it's like, oh, it's just me and my circumstances. How do I, how do I get me, me, me on, the, on a good spot? It's you look vertically as well. So you're connecting with the Lord and you're saying, God, what do you think about these things? God, I need your help. I need you to guide me. And so you no longer feel alienated from God because he's in your day to day. He's in every moment. And you can live alive to God that he's brought you into a new life. And that can be your reality on a daily basis. So you have the vertical, not only the horizontal. The second thing to correct the second mindset is identity based on God's view of us. So instead of constantly just trying to pull encouragement into yourself from others and pull compliments and making yourself look awesome, that that, that whole thing is already decided. That's in the past, right? When you came to Christ, you got a new identity in Christ. You're his child. That's settled. And when you settle that in your heart, and you receive that, and you're like, no, God loves me. He cares for me. He wants the best for me. He wants to use me in his kingdom. He wants to do all these amazing things for me, et cetera. You start really getting into that. Then you're able to just pour out to others because that's settled. So you're not trying to take for yourself. You're like, I don't care if I get recognition. I don't care if I'm the guy or the girl. I don't care if I'm the main person. I don't care. It doesn't matter anymore. I have everything I need. Now, my sole focus in life is just, God, what do you want for me? Because I know I'm a piece in the puzzle and you want to use me, but I need you to tell me how it's done. You see how that changes everything? When you get that piece, it just frees you up and you feel free. You feel the light bird. You feel all those things that Jesus talks about. And the third thing is we're forgiven completely and dead to sin versus guilty to sin. So we're able to look away and instead lay our sin at the cross of Christ and realize that we have already been forgiven. Tim and I were talking about this yesterday at the class. The reality that, uh, and this is me, and you'd be like, wow, that's really bad or whatever. But it's like, I never ask for forgiveness from God. I thank God for forgiveness. Because he's not paying for my forgiveness after I sin. Oh, Jesus got to die again. Here we go. He's got to die again. No, he already did. So why are you asking for something you already have? All your sins, past, present, future, paid for. There's nothing else God needs to do on his side. So just as his personal opinion, I'm not going to like die on the hill and you know say you have to do this. But I'm like, why would, I, why would I ask when I have it? I thank God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for what Jesus did. Does that make sense? That, that distinction helps me in my mind, move away from this old mindset of I have to ask for everything, get everything forgiveness-wise specifically. It's like, no, Jesus already paid it. He already did it. It's already mine. Um, one caveat just I wanted to touch on, you know, some people have been through really, you know, horrible hurt, abuse, things in their past. And so I'm not saying you never think about yourself. You never should spend time uh, diving into those things, right? That's not what I'm saying, just to clarify, but that shouldn't be the norm. That shouldn't be the norm of a Christian life. So just a caveat on that real quick. Watch him knee, one of my favorite people. Uh, I, I, I love his book, uh, the, the Normal Christian Life. Jason's been reading Sit, Walk, Stand. Um, he's a great guy. This is what he says on this. He says, unfortunately, we only have this kind of experience once in a while, but it should be ours constantly. When the Holy Spirit takes things in hand, there's no need for strain on our part. It is not a case of clenching our teeth and taking a grip on ourselves and thinking that thus we have controlled ourselves beautifully and have had a glorious victory. No, where there's real victory, it's not fleshly effort that carries us through, but the Lord. Ultimately, what he's saying, right, 
is that, I mean, you've probably been in a situation like this where you're nervous to go talk to a friend about something or whatever. And you're like, this situation is probably going to go horribly. Oh my gosh, it's going to be terrible. Then you're like, I should probably pray about this and give this to God. And you pray about it and you say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Give me the words to speak in the situation, et cetera. And you go and it goes like amazingly well. Who's, who's had that situation happen before? Yeah. It's almost everybody. It's like, that's an example, right? It's not your, oh, I got to go tell them this and I'm going to zing them with this thing. And then I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say this. That's not what it's about. It's about walking by the spirit. It's about giving that to the Lord and saying, God, you know, you're just going to make it work. And uh, even Allie had a situation this morning that was really encouraging where it was about a work thing, but she prayed about it. And the Lord, like seriously, supernaturally connected dots from different city. It was, it was crazy, actually. She didn't think of that. God's just like, here you go. Because she prayed about it. Right? We've all had that experience. That's what we're talking about. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Give it to the Lord. Walk by the Spirit. The second focus that a lot of times we have that is is kind of goes against this walking by the Spirit is a sin focus. And this is, you know, kind of ties in with some self-focus, but when somebody feels such shame, guilt, and condemnation before God, that communication becomes difficult. So this is people who focus daily on this cleansing of sin, of daily I have to cleanse my sin, daily I have to kind of get, you know, this forgiveness and stuff, and they just get in this cycle of like, it becomes like an OCD thing a lot of times. And there's lots of scripture we could go into on this. Um, I picked a couple of them. I'm not sure if we'll go through all of them. We're doing decent on time. But Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this. This is one, one, one of the scriptures I love. In him. So look, look what it starts with. In him. What does that mean? In Christ. Read the New Testament and just look for all the in him, in Christ times. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. It's kind of the foundation of Everything we do that we have in the New Testament, specifically in the epistles and stuff, it's all of it. That's the foundation of everything. Um, In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him, again, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's given as a pledge of our inheritance. That is something that you can feel confident in as a Christian. If you have the Holy Spirit, that's a seal of promise, of this inheritance you have in the future. That makes you feel confident that you're saved. It's like, I have the Holy Spirit. I know I have the Holy Spirit. I feel conviction. I feel the things that the Holy Spirit is supposed to do to me, right? I feel those things. So I'm saved. I'm good to go. This kind of uh, alludes a picture that kind of I've heard before on this. is It's like a wax seal on a letter. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's that wax seal. You can't open it, right? That's really, it's, it's, it's a seal on your life that you are, you are one, one of his kids. John 5, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. If anyone believes in Christ, he or she will not come into judgment. Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. If they're already forgiven, we don't have to continue to request forgiveness because we have it. We just thank him that he did it. He paid the price already for us. Philippians 4.8, this is another one. What, what are you supposed to focus on? Your sin? No, that's not what we see. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, pure, lovely, good repute, excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. It doesn't, that doesn't, that's not sin. Sin's not honorable or excellent or lovely or any of that stuff, right? It's the whole thing of, um, I heard, is I, I used to be really big in my first came to Christ and John Piper, and he always said this, um, he said, the way you get rid of sin in your life is not by, it's like grass, right? If you want to fix your grass, you have weeds coming up, you don't go pick all the weeds over and over again because they just keep growing back. He's like, you grow your grass thick. You grow your grass thick. That's how you do it. It's the same with uh, the whole, you know, uh, Dom, don't think of elephants. Don't think of elephants. Don't think of elephants. 
I mean, you're thinking of elephants. That's what you're thinking of. And so focusing, it's a goofy analogy, but focusing on your sin all the time, because I tried it and I just sin more and more and more because I just kept thinking about it all the time and I just kept doing it more and more. And so it's just, it didn't work. It was no, I need to focus on my identity in Christ, fill my heart with the love of God, things that are excellent, true, honorable, all these things. And then sin will start to just part ways and, and, and leave me because I'm just not focused on that. I'm focused on God. Nee says on this, I, uh, if, if I have a hasty temper, impure thoughts, a quick tongue or a critical spirit, I shall not set out with a determined effort to change myself, but instead reckoning myself dead in Christ to these things, I shall look to the spirit of God to produce in me the needed purity or of humility or meekness, confident that he will do so. Trusting, Lord, you have to deliver me from this stuff. You have to do this. This is a work that is yours. And then the question ultimately comes, what if people take advantage? The age-old question, what if they take advantage, you know? If we make grace really what it is, everybody's going to take advantage of it. And then where are we at? Well, sometimes we need to correct people. You see it in the scriptures. You can correct people. If you're discipling somebody or you know somebody who's doing that, correct them. <laughs> yeah, I think you're taking advantage of this. What do you think about that? But we don't have to change grace in order to kind of with this fear complex. We don't have to make grace less than what it really is. We can just correct people if they're doing it. It's simple. And ultimately, the other thing uh, that I think a lot about when it, when it comes down to this is God will let us know when there's sin issues in our lives. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're spending time, if you're spending time with him, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you about stuff. And the reality is you're not actually the best manager of your growth. And actually, you know, I disciple people. I'm not the best manager of their growth. That's not my job as a discipler. That's way too much that's way too much work. I, I can't do that. I'd mess it up. I'd screw it up. Who's better? Jesus. Who's better? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's better at convicting on what you need to know. If you knew all your sin right now, you'd fall on the ground and collapse. The Holy Spirit knows what to show you, when to show you. Oh, this is the next growth stage. Now you're moving into this. Now you're moving into this. Now you're moving into this. Way better than us. We're not good at it. So trust, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to people about stuff. And sometimes there's been cases where it's like, I see something in someone and God's like, don't tell them that. They're not, they don't need to know that right now. They're not ready for that. And that's called wisdom. It's not always just you share what you see every single time. Wisdom is being on track with the Holy Spirit and what, what the Holy Spirit has for people. And the last thing of this is Satan is the accuser, so we don't want to give him more of that power. We don't want to be people going around always, you know, throwing like, oh, you're too much into grace. Oh, you're too much into grace. Oh, you're, you know, we don't want to be the ones always doing that because Satan does that enough. We don't want to team up with him. And the third and final kind of walking according to the flesh is the cosmos focus. So the cosmos is when somebody's caught up by the value system of the world. That's what the cosmos means uh, in the scriptures. It's not the world like physically. It is the value system that Satan has teamed up with evil people to create that oppresses people, that destroys people, et cetera, in the world. That's what we're talking about. And this is kind of, it's all about money, pleasure, fame, et cetera. And we see clearly that this is not okay. First John 2, 15 and 16, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So um, Satan, uh, in First John, it talks about Satan is the ruler of the cosmos. And so this is the evil system that we so, uh, so frequently get caught up in. The reality of, of the world is these things are free to enjoy in terms of it's not bad to go to an art show. It's not bad to like watch a movie. Like it's not bad to do things, right? Like go to a Chiefs game. It's like, oh, you're, I don't know if you're saved anymore. You know, that's not what it is. These things are free to enjoy, but they cannot become idols for us. That's the problem with the world is we so often take it and make it into an idol in the sole focus of our life. 
Whereas Jesus needs to be at the top. And then it's like, yeah, enjoy good food. Enjoy, you know, the things you got here. But that's not. Who cares? If it's taken away, who cares? Doesn't matter. It's not the sole focus. First John 2.17 says, the world is passing away, but and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives together. So we see that the right answer to the world is to change our view from this finite perspective to an eternal perspective of seeing what are the things we're doing that has eternal weight instead of this finite weight. And there's an analogy that I heard one time that really actually helps me because this is one of my areas that I struggle with um, is, is making sure the world is not the main thing in my life. Um, and uh, th- there's an analogy where this, this guy, Dennis McCallum, who's a friend of mine and he's really just an amazing pastor and I've learned a lot from him. But anyways, he says, okay, picture this. This this guy has a basement full of forks. A basement full of forks. And these forks are like from England and Scotland and all these places. And you can you can sell these forks and like they're really valuable. And like, and this guy, just for whatever reason, he's just super focused on forks. He's like, I love forks, they're awesome. And he like comes home late and his kids are like, Dad, where were you? Oh, I was getting forks, you know. I just have this big bag of forks I found. Oh, that's cool. Uh, why why do you do that? He misses the kids' soccer games. You know, he gets divorced because ultimately he's so focused on forks and like just all this stuff. And he tells this analogy. He does it way better, but you guys get the concept. This guy's so focused on forks. And Dennis is like, he's like, that's money. It's the same thing. The only difference between money and forks is we put value on money, but it's worthless just like forks are. They're good to eat with. That's all. Right? And so we can kind of laugh at ourselves when we're like, man, I spend a lot of my life wanting to be rich and famous and have this and that and the other thing. When really God looks at it, he goes, you're just going after a bunch of forks, which we think is stupid. And God's like, that's how I think about the money situation. He's like, it's not bad to have some forks. I like having a few forks around the house, but don't live your life for them. And so that's actually, it's funny because this is one of my struggles. It's actually really helpful to view it in that way because I'm like, yeah, who cares? It's a bunch of forks. They'll be gone. I'll, I'll die and I'll never think. I wish I had more forks ever. Money is the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. It's not going to make you happy. And it's funny because even when you think about money, uh, you know, people get into this whole like, oh, making a bunch of money is like, the, that's the worst, you know, if you're like rich. And it's like, Okay, what's worse, making enough money in a 40-hour week job where you get to spend time with your kids, your wife, your family, etc., or working such low-paying jobs you're having to work 80 hours a week and not spend time with your family? Uh, I don't know. The lower one, that's worse. <laughs> that's much worse. Like it's not so simple as like, oh, if you like make less money, you're more like righteous, and if you make more money, you're more righteous. There's there's middle grounds on all these things, and that's wisdom is finding like, oh, these are the things I value. How can I like make enough money to provide for my family while not working too much, where I'm not able to be with my family and be the things of God and stuff. So, anyways, it's there's so much more there. Another analogy. Well, actually, I'm not going to do that one. I don't like that analogy. What? The spoons. So there's a guy who loves spoons. <laughs> um, no, the other one, I don't like it because it's just a little bit more depressing, but it's also helpful. Okay, I'll do it. Somebody said do it. So uh, so this one, I, that, uh, yeah, it's more depressing, but it's like it, it also is helpful to think of it. It's like if somebody said that, um, you know, I'll give you a million dollars if you kill yourself in five hours, what would you say? No. Well, life's the exact same because eternity is a long time and our life is just a little blip on the radar. And so you're doing the same thing if you live for money. It's okay. You're going to give up your eternal eternity with God, eternity with his people, for this five-minute reality in the in light of eternity, this five-minute reality, and then you're going to die. Makes no sense. Nobody would ever do that, but we do it every day. So that was the other one. 
So let's isolate from all these worldly people, right? Let's go get a, you know, go to, um, gosh, what's the Baylor, the down in Baylor, Waco, go to Waco and get a property. It's like, no, 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 no. First Corinthians uh, talks about this. I wrote to you my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of the world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters for then you would have to go out of the world. So the, the, we are ultimately an embassy for Christ in this world. The, God, the, the job is not to isolate from everybody. It's, it's to be an embassy and live in the world with other people and be, be a light to them. So uh, one more thing before we jump into the, into, the, uh, into the walking by the Spirit. This isn't an equation, okay? So a lot of times we love equations. We love like straightforward stuff. Okay, so I'm going to add up all the hours I spend thinking about the spirit and all the hours I spend thinking about the flesh and I'm going to total them up. And this is not an equation. Um, it, it, you know, it's funny. People are like, oh, I'm spending so much time like with God and I like suck at my job and I'm adding like no value. It's like, well, that's not what God wants. So you're a bad example at your job? That's not good. Or like, oh, I'm spending so much time with God, but I don't really take time to like listen to people and really like get to know them and hear them out and stuff. Because I'm just so focused on like quoting scripture to them and stuff. It's like, that's not loving. Like you interact as a human. Like you got to understand people and talk to them and listen and be quiet sometimes. And, um, or like I set my mind on the spirit so many times, uh, What's this other one I had? Um, I only said where I was I already gave that one. Yeah. Don't tally it all up. That's kind of what that one was saying. But it's not an equation. It's not an equation. So don't get caught up in all that stuff. You need to pray about it. If you're getting caught up in it, pray about it. What does God want you to do? How does he want you to spend your time? There's different seasons in life. Um, and really the key to all this stuff is you need to have mature people around you. Don't figure this out on your own. It's good to have multiple counselors and people around you, not actual counselors, but like people who give you counsel um, and, and kind of give you wisdom on that. So don't, don't figure this out on your, uh, on your own. So walk by the spirit. So let's get into that. Let's go through seven things. Number one, and we've talked about some of these already, but you're a new creation, Right? The old is gone. You are a new creation. Your old self, that old self that you knew so well is dead. It's dead and gone. Now, whether you live in that is a different thing. But in the spiritual world, that is gone. It's dead. You died to that. You have every spiritual blessing. God's given you all you need. You don't need everything else. He's given you all of it. You're righteous, not because of your own works, but because you're in Christ and Christ is righteous. You have an inheritance waiting for you. We, we went over that for eternity. You can't be separated from God's love. You have triumph and victory in spiritual war. These are just seven. There's, there's more than that, but I just picked out seven of them. I mean, these are amazing. These truths about you, about you if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ. You know, a lot of the times it's like we, we're Christians and we have this bank account that has a million dollars in it. It has all this stuff, right? All these deposits that God's made into us. And we're just like walking around like my life's horrible and I have nothing. And, you know, oh, it's so terrible. And there's this bank account. It's like, yeah, just go to the bank account, withdraw it. It's right there. That's how we live our lives a lot of the times. Is the bank account's right there. It's got the million dollars. You need some money. It's right there. Just take it out. Just take it out. Watchman, he says on this, oh, it is a great thing to see that we are in Christ. Think of the, be the bewilderment of trying to get into a room which you are already in. I love that analogy where it's like, that's what a lot of us are doing. We're like in this room. We're like, I want to get in this room and I just cannot find it anywhere. And you're in the room walking around. There's people watching like, dude, you're literally standing in the room. Like, what is the problem? But that is like most of us is we're just like live like we want to get into this place that we're already there. We just aren't. We just can't. We haven't recognized it, you know, 
because we're letting Satan tell us what's true or people tell us what's true or the world tell or ourselves, all these other focuses. And what happens when you start walking by the spirit? It's clear. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control against such things. There is no law. Who wants those, right? Everybody. That's what we want. How do we get those? It's the fruit of the spirit. Spirit. And a lot of the times, what, how I think we do this is we act like God is like dealing these things out. So we're like, oh God, I'm going to this thing. I need some of this. Can you give me some of that? Give me a few, few packets of that. Sounds good. Hey, give me a few of these things. Hey, give me a few of those things. And God's like, you have all of it in me. You don't need to like go around saying like, like you're divvying it out. It's like, you got it all. Just recognize it and thank God that you already have it and just receive that. Don't act like it's like some foreign thing you got to transact with in order to get these things. If you're in the spirit, you have these things. You have these things. As we look to him to live out his life in us, we'll get all that we need. We just have to look to him. Romans 6.23 says eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's where the eternal life is. It's in Christ. In Christ, we have all these things. And the coolest part, this is one of the biggest um, things that I learned over the years, is this get to verse have to. How many people have felt like they have to go to church or they have to follow God or they have to get in the word or they have to do these things? Who's had that thought? Probably everybody. Probably almost everybody here. When you start living it, not as this like self-focus and sin focus and all these other things, you start walking by the spirit, everything becomes a get to. It's like, man, I get to go to prayer on Tuesday nights. I get to come. This is a privilege. I get to come on Sunday morning. I get to be in a ministry house. I don't have to be in a ministry house. I get to do it because what Christ did in my life, I'm just, you're so thankful for what you have, that you're just like, man, I'm so thankful to be here. You know, I'm so thankful to do this. And it just changes over time. Your mindset changes from this like, oh, I got to do it. 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 Like, I just get to do these things. I'm so happy I get to wake up and spend two hours or whatever many hours you spend with the Lord. You know, it's so much better. A lot of the times, um, you know, there's an example of like hypochondriacs who worry and fuss about their health while like not doing anything to fix it. A lot of times we're spiritual hypochondriacs. We're so worried about all this stuff, but we don't do anything to fix it. Um, When we realize we've kind of lost focus, we can immediately turn back into the grace of God. It doesn't have to be, I got to wait for six hours. I got to wait for eight hours to get my grace. I got to, you know, pray about this, do this thing. It's like, no, God loves you. He's already forgiven you. Turn, move forward. That is literally what like repentance is, you know, is like turning. <laughs> that is the def- that is the actual definition of repentance is turning. Just turn, go the other direction. And what you'll see as you keep diving into this type of stuff is you'll see the Holy Spirit build in you a deeper love and devotion of God, not because of all your rules and all that stuff, but because you love God and you're thankful. And that's true maturity. We think true maturity is this person does the most good actions of anybody I know or leads most people to Christ or teaches the most on Sunday or has the best YouTube channel or whatever it is. We think those is like, oh, that's a spiritual person. What God looks at is the heart. That's what he wants to build in you is the heart over the long term. It's not overnight, but over the long term, he wants to build the heart. So that's true maturity is going through those things. So a few examples, we got about 10 minutes, probably um, what life looks like prayer. It's talking with God who loves me and wants to communicate with me. Right. And so uh, walking by the spirit with prayer, you say, Lord Jesus, you know, you want what's best in all these situations in my life. Show me what you want me to pray about. Show me what you want me to, to, to kind of seek him about. Show me what words you want me to pray. What do you want me to do? This is your time. Tuesday nights, this is your time. What do you want me to do? 
versus I got to do these things or I got to make myself look good or I got to, you know, share this to make myself look Who cares? What does God want you to do? Scripture becomes God's love letter to a lost people. When you start walking by the Spirit, you realize this isn't a bunch of just commandments, do's and don'ts, but it's a God who loves you, who cares about you. And He gives you this because it's life. Like God's Word is life. Oh. And so, you know, each morning when I'm seeking the Lord, the first thing I do is I pray. I say, Lord, show me what you want me to see this morning in your Word. It's not, oh, I got to do all this stuff. It's show me what you want me to see. I don't know what I need to see. If I did, I'd be running the whole thing, but I don't. So what do you want me to see? That's walking by the Spirit. Ministry. Lord, you've given me gifts and abilities, right? You've given me these things. You want me to share what you've done in my life to other people. You want me to minister to other people, to love other people. Show me what does that look like? How should I do it? Do I need to prepare more? Do I need to just get out there? Ask God about it. That's walking by the Spirit, you know? What does He say? What's He telling you right now? Fellowship. This morning, we're about to have lunch. Instead of, well, I'm going to sit next to these people. I know it, and this one I'm going to sit next to. Why don't you pray about it? Lord, who do you want me to talk to this morning? Who do you want me to communicate with? Is there somebody you want me to encourage? It's a different way to go about things, right? That's walking by the Spirit. What's God's focus in these situations? And then suffering. Lord, you've given us suffering to purify us, to make us more complete, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What do you want to do through this, through this season of suffering in my life? What do you want to do? Show me. But everything, you just it's simple. It's not, it's not hard, right? Just turning to God and all these things, walking by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? God, what do you want to do here? Versus all of our stuff. Like I said, once you have your identity set, you're freed up to truly be a vessel of God. Because all the me, 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 all the sin focused, all the world focuses, it's just like, no, that stuff doesn't matter. I have my identity in Christ, and now I'm just God's vessel. What does he want me to do? So last thing, this this really impacted me. Um, it kind of goes back to the allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our growth process. This is, uh, I believe it's from A.H. Strong. Um, he's one of those old guys. But uh, a student asked the president of his school whether he could not take a shorter course or whether he could take a shorter course than the one prescribed. Oh, yes, replied the president. But then that depends upon what you want to be. When God wants to make an oak, he takes a hundred years. But when he wants to make a squash, he takes six months. Growth is not a uniform thing in the tree or in the Christian. In some single months, there's more growth than in all the year besides. During the rest of the year, however, there is solidification, without which the green timber would be useless. The period of rapid growth, when the woody fiber is actually deposited between the Bark in the trunk occupies but four to six weeks in May, June, and July. The reality with growth is it's not this just constant, you know, this, 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 this. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. A lot of times you can have, like, I look back at my life, some of my biggest growth periods are like two weeks here, a month there, you know, a couple weeks here. But then the solidification process takes a long time to really make sure that's solidified in your life. So the point of this is let the Holy Spirit guide you. Truly walk by the Spirit. God, what do you have for me right now? What do you have for me versus what I have for myself? And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's what we all need to realize. Sometimes God does stuff amazing overnight, and it's like amazing. So, you, I mean, it's not like he never does it, right? He does it a lot. But that's not the general thing. For most people, it takes time to grow. Not just this massive overhaul over one night or five nights, whatever. So um, it takes a lot longer than gritting your teeth a lot of times. If you grit your teeth, you can shoot off like a rocket pretty quick in action, but you'll crumble in the long term because the foundation's not there. And that's what Tad always talks about, you know, 
is we got to get our foundation strong because that's the only way that we win long term. So anyways, like I said, this was not a um, overall uh, like didn't cover everything about walking by the spirit, but hopefully you guys kind of can see these mindsets. It's all about setting your mind. Here's the mindsets you do with the flesh mindset on the spirit. And ultimately a lot of us just need to chill out a little bit. Understand that God loves you, that you you already have all the things you need. You have the identity and then just pray, Lord, what's next? And I think if a lot of us did that, we'd, we'd start experiencing some of the things we see in the scripture about peace and the contentment and the joy and the love and all of those things. We'd see more and more of that in our lives. If we just say, Lord, I'm yours. What do you want? Versus us trying to figure it all out on our own. So I'm going to pray for us and we are done. Yeah, Father, uh, just thank you for the identity that you've given us in Christ. Um, yeah, most of the stuff you do is pretty upside down and this is, this is pretty similar. It just goes against everything that we learned in our life about how it's all about how good we do and how successful we can be and all of our actions and, um, yeah, just really giving our lives to you and truly surrendering things to you and, and understanding that you've already given us everything we need for life and godliness. We don't need anything else. Um, and so I just pray that whatever kind of is supposed to stick out in people's hearts and their minds, that it would, and that our church would continue to, uh, to just be a church that can live out these fruits of the spirit. And that can, we can be solely focused on, on building foundations um, that, are, that are in the right way, that are set on your identity in Christ, set on the things you've given us and just thankfulness. And that we'd be a church of get to, people who say, I get to, I get to do these things. I don't, they don't feel like burdens to me. They feel like what I want to be doing and what I love because they're you. Um, they're, they're, they're tied into eternity and, and, and make eternal, uh, uh, they're eternally valuable, Lord. And so, yeah, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for saving us. And um, yeah, I just pray we'd have a great uh, time uh, eating together and being in fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.